I'm Megan Murphy, host of The Same Drugs. I'm here to have conversations. Real, honest, authentic conversations. The kind we aren't supposed to have anymore. I interview anyone I find interesting, from left to right to everywhere in between. I work independently in order to have the freedom to say what I believe and speak to whoever I want. Staying independent has allowed me to speak freely and seek the truth, no matter how unpopular, for many years now, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. We have seen over the last few years how deeply compromised big media is and how willing mainstream journalists are to twist facts and hide the truth to sell a narrative dictated by those in power. I won't ever trade my integrity or my free speech for a paycheck, but that means I need your help. I rely on donors and patrons so individuals to support my work so that i can continue to do what i do if you appreciate the kinds of conversations we're having at the same drugs please consider becoming a subscriber on patreon that's patreon.com megan murphy where patrons get early access to episodes exclusive access to full videos as well as the opportunity to submit questions to select guests ahead of interviews. Another great way to follow and support my work is on Substack, where subscribers can be sure not to miss a single episode. We'll also get access to subscriber-only video content and can keep up with my writing there, engage with the comments section, access subscriber-only AMAs. Um, I host all sorts of little conversations there for subscribers only. So that's one of the best ways that you can keep up with my work and what I'm up to and what I'm thinking and wondering about. Just head over to www.meganmurphy.ca to subscribe. And finally, you can also support this podcast directly on Spotify by clicking the support button on the Same Drugs podcast page. While you're there, don't forget to also click the follow button so you don't miss new episodes. Thank you so much for supporting Conversations Outside the Algorithm. Today on the show, I'm speaking with Batia Angar Sargon, the opinion editor at Newsweek and author of Bad News, How Woke Media is Undermining Democracy. Batya, hi. It's so great to see you again. Thank you so much for making the time today. Of course. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm very excited for this conversation. Yeah. So I have to be really upfront and say that I'm super new to this conflict, um, to this debate. And so I've been catching up um, pretty quickly, I think, <laughs> to my credit. <laughs> I sort of have been reading nonstop and listening nonstop and trying to figure out everything as best I can. But I think, I mean, first of all, I'm Canadian and I don't think the debate is as heated in Canada as it is in the U.S. Um, I think that anti-Semitism is a bigger problem in the U.S. than it is in Canada. Um, and I don't, yeah, I don't have a connection to Israel. So I just, and I, you know, I feel a bit stupid admitting that, but you should when, yeah, I, I, I think it's like it's it's funny because it's like um, it's not a top, like why would normal people have any connection to this issue? Right. Like if there was if, if if fighting broke out in some, you know, in a country in Africa, you would never been to and never heard of and didn't know anybody who lived there. It would never occur to people that they need to have an opinion. Like the reason people feel they need to have an opinion is because of the amount of energy that is expended by the press corps to talk about this, you know, so nobody should feel embarrassed that they're not like, you know, up on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, yeah, and you know? the very, very, very long history behind this conflict. Yeah, that depending on who you talk to, will you'll get very different answers, right? And which is, you know, I think that might be part of the reason why for so long I didn't really understand or try to understand because it seemed so so heated, and you hear you know, very, very different things from very, yeah. very different groups of people. And I really couldn't get my head around it. And then, of course, after what happened on October 7th, I was just so viscerally disturbed 
and horrified first by the attacks and how sadistic those attacks were, but then the response was horrific. Like I just, you know, uh, we see, we see people out in the streets celebrating. Um, we hear academics um, at Ivy league universities calling the attacks exhilarating. Um, and then I was having these debates sort of forced on me. I wasn't voluntarily entering into these debates, I wouldn't say, but where feminists were telling me that in fact, you know, first of all, I shouldn't talk about it because I don't know what I'm talking about. Second of all, and you know, what I was talking about was really just the response and the attacks. And I'm like, this is terrorism. This is evil. And no one should be celebrating it no matter where you are on the political spectrum. Um, but telling me that Hamas are freedom fighters and they're fighting for the freedom of their people. And I just feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Um, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's just wild. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, my sense of this time round has been that actually it's been much better than previous rounds because the nature of the attack was so sadistic and so horrific and so blatant and they have filmed it joyously as they were doing it and so everyone saw it. So I I, I have seen what you're describing, just the disgusting um, justification celebrations on the far left. But um, there's also been a lot of pressure sort of from the liberals who usually cave to the wokes mm. standing up and saying like sorry there's like no justification <laughs> for this so that's actually been um comforting i think um it's i don't i think the things you are seeing are not mainstream by any means okay and i've taken comfort in that but they would have been mainstream in 2021 when when fighting broke out immediately like everybody on the left and all of the liberals were sort of, you know, stand with Gaza, stand with the Palestinians. And I think a lot of Jews felt much more isolated at that time than, than this time. At least that's been my experience. But um, while the response from the left has been shocking, it's also not been surprising because um, their worldview, the woke worldview, um, replaces the distinction between right versus wrong with the distinction between powerful and powerless and then superimposes either race or gender onto that. And so you they see the world through this lens of you're either a person of color and thus have no agency and are inherently virtuous or you are a white person in which case you are the powerful and the colonizer in which case you are inherently morally flawed and problematic and they code Jews and Israel as white even though the majority of Jews are in Israel are people of color, they're Jews of color, they're Arab Jews. Um, and so to them, Israel is always already a colonizer, powerful, evil, um, you must be suspicious. And the Palestinians have no agency no matter what they do, right? That's mm. the woke mindset. And so even when they murder and kill, it can't possibly be their fault. It must be the fault of the Jews. And that's why you've seen so much of the leftist media on the lookout for Jewish exaggerations, right? There weren't 40 beheaded babies, right? Mm -hmm. Or like there was no rapes. Like it's like you literally women's, they raped them until their pelvises broke. I've literally never heard of that before. I mean, and, but the, but the feminist group, like not one feminist group came out and, and called that out. And because they can't accept, they don't, they see Jews as, they, there's no such thing as an innocent Jew in the woke, woke, woke mindset because they are on the side of the oppressor. And there's no such thing as a guilty Palestinian because they're on the side of the oppressed. And that, so I, so I think the best thing that's come out of this horror is just the exposure of how morally bankrupt that worldview is, how endemic it is to the university system and how disgusting the people that it produced are, and also how deeply embedded it is in the media. So the leftist media is just awash in this. And that's what you saw when they all just repeated Hamas's lie about the hospital last week, like one after another. They were desperate to have a story of Israeli wrongdoing so they could get them back into their natural position for the wokes, which is oppressor rather than victim. Right. And of course, your clip that was so great went viral you you calling the media the stenographers of terrorists and you know what's interesting is that 
the, I mean, the truth came out very quickly about what really happened, that it wasn't Israel that bombed a hospital. And I don't think a hospital was bombed at all. Is that right? Yeah. First of all, if they had waited 17 minutes, <laughs> they would have found out that Israel contested the story. And if they had waited another 10 minutes, they would have had evidence in their hands. And if they had waited till the next morning, they would have had evidence that the hospital itself was still standing and that it was a parking lot. And, and they were still running with the, this number, 500. And, and in, they don't want to tell you that it's Hamas telling you those numbers. So the New York Times wrote 500 dead in Israeli airstrike, comma, Palestinians say. You see how they try to fudge the difference between Hamas and Palestinians. But then yeah. if, if you say actually Hamas is very popular in Gaza, which it is, they'll say, don't conflate, you know, Hamas and Palestinians, right? It's just, it, they're so disgusting. They, they, they're, however much you hate the media, you don't hate them enough. I mean, they really, they are truly, truly despicable. Yeah. And I've seen people continuing to repeat that story, the, the lie story from Hamas. Still, right now, people are, are still repeating this story at various rallies and whatnot, which is totally strange to me. Um, but I mean, it, so is, is it true that Hamas is very popular in Gaza? I don't really know what to say about this because I think I sort of wanted to take that view at first also, which is to say, you know, don't con conflate Palestinians with Hamas because Hamas is evil. And Hamas, it sounds like to me, is not good for Palestinians. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're horrible for Palestinians. Um, well, the, the thing is, so what does it mean they're very popular? Uh, they currently have, I think the latest polling shows, 53% support. So is that very pop? It's, pr it's pretty, pretty popular. popular. Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean that those Palestinians deserve to be bombed and die? No, of yeah. course not. Of course not. But if if Hamas is embedded within them, a guerrilla, you know, a militia is embedded within them at some point. I mean, yeah, war is horrible. Like, I don't know. No, no civilian, whether or not they believe Jews deserve to die, deserves to die. Like that's, you know, having a bad idea about Jews doesn't make you like, you know, it's but but wars have collateral damage and to say to call for a ceasefire right now is essentially to say um, we demand that israel have suffered this attack the equivalent of sixty thousand dead americans in one day and simply take it right that they it is to say they don't have a right to defend themselves um it, it's very complicated because the palestinians have really had just horrific terrible terrible leadership and like, have they covered themselves in glory in terms of which parties they support? No, but I do think that that's sort of irrelevant um, to the larger question. We can mourn all civilian casualties and also say you simply cannot compare the casualties of like the most horrific, murderous, bloodthirsty, brutal tying a child to their parent and setting them on fire uh, dismembering a child in front of their parents, raping women until their pelvis is breaking. You cannot compare that to the collateral damage of an army that has warned the civilians to leave so mm -hmm. that they can kill the people who did this so it will never happen again. Those are not morally equivalent things. Um, Hamas was voted in by Palestinians, but it was in 2006, right? They've run it as a as a theocracy since then. It's a horrible theocracy. Um, you know, women are beaten if they don't cover enough. Gays are thrown off, you know, the roofs of buildings to kill them. It's illegal to be gay. It's a brutal dictatorship. You can get sent to prison for anything you say that's, you know, critical of Hamas. They're horrible. I mean, they're not good to the Palestinians. And they, they steal all the aid. It all goes <laughs> to the leadership. The leadership lives in hotels in Qatar. So it's 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 sad. It's horrible, the situation there. I don't like how much agency does an individual Palestinian have, um, you know, to stand up to this brutal regime? Pro probably not very much. I, I, I you know, I, not very much. Right. But at the same time, you know, it, to say that that is Israel, you know, because of that, Israel has to simply live with ISIS as a neighbor forever. That's not morally acceptable. And I think that is so obvious. And I don't believe the people who don't who say that they don't think that's like, it's so obvious that an intentional attack on women, the elderly and children is not the same as warning people to get away. And then those of them who are killed in the process of trying to kill your murderers, like those are simply not 
morally equivalent. But I, I, I have to admit, I have a very close Palestinian friend who said to me, you know, a couple of days ago, you and I are both morally outraged, but at the moral equivalence, but from opposite points of view, like, I the, part of me is like, well, there are I know that there, he's a good person. I know there are good people who simply don't accept that this is the case. But to me, it's just like the most basic humanity, like a person who goes out seeking to maim and dismember babies. It's like, it's not the same as the people trying to prevent that from happening again. And I think that that is the real, like the wokeness is like a screen that prevents them from accessing that basic tenet of humanity. Right. And I mean, what about those people who, so this, this happened um, and maybe some people will say, you know, some pro-Palestinian people will say, you know, I'm not supporting Hamas, I'm not celebrating Hamas, I'm not celebrating the attacks. But nonetheless, the response from so many around the world was to rally around Palestine. So free Palestine, free Palestine. And I didn't quite understand that either. I mean, what do they, what do they even mean when they're saying free Palestine? What does that mean? First of all, like, I can't tell you how much relief I feel just hearing you say that, like that you can see it, like that you can see that there's something wrong with an attack the size of October 7th happening and people rallying around whatever, not the attackers. Fine. Sure. I'll give you that. But the people that they hide amongst, like, and in what universe does that make moral sense? Like, it's just such a relief to hear you say that because so many people just like fun, they just go into automatic mode. I think it's a combination of things. Like the first is just blatant anti-Semitism. There's plenty of that to go around, right? Mm -hmm. The second is, I think, woke mind virus. They see the Palestinians as the victims because they see them as the colonized. And so they feel in their hearts that this is the weak guy. This is the little guy. And we have to stand up for the little guy. And the third thing is, is something that could have happened to me because, well, the third, I'll, let me explain it first. I'll say why it could have happened to me. The third thing is, is you're so used to, to that move. Like you previously said these, this was your response when tensions flared up. You were like, well, the Palestinians are the ones who are screwed here or getting the short end of the stick. So I, you know, it's my natural in inclination to be on their side. And because you did it in the past, you are unwilling to say, maybe I was wrong. Mm. That's the difference between me and them is in 2014, I was the person saying, look, Hamas lobs rockets, half of them explode in Gaza itself. They don't even make it to Israel. Half of them get to Israel and are intercepted by Iron Dome. And over the course of three weeks, maybe, maybe when they're, you know, lucky, whatever, they kill like one person. And then Israel retaliates and sends, you know, thousands of rockets and kills a thousand people. And in 2014, I was the person saying that's not appropriate. Like that's not they can't do that. Israel can't respond that way because Hamas does not have the ability to harm them in the same way. Mm. And they have the Iron Dome to defend themselves. So they don't need to do this offensive thing. That I was that was how I, I was woke back then. <laughs> but also, like, I thought that made sense. Right. Like they, there's a certain amount of rockets that Israel just has to live with because the rockets are crappy and probably can't hurt them. I now think that's totally wrong. Like, they like to defend themselves means to defeat their enemy. It doesn't mean to live with this kind of an attack. And, you know, so it, now there's a different question, right? Well, how much collateral damage is too much collateral damage? A friend mm. recently asked me that. Will you ever get to the place where in response to October 7th, you will say it's too much? They're, they've gone too far. And I honestly don't know the answer to that. I know we're nowhere close to it. Um, but also like people, they see this, they know Israel does this. Israel tells the civilians to get out of the way. And it is Egypt and Hamas that are trying to keep them there. And yet somehow people blame Israel for that. And I think that's just so immoral. Like it, people have to understand, Sisi in Egypt will not let a single 90 year old Palestinian grandmother cross from Gaza into Egypt because he thinks every single one of them is carrying water for Hamas. And even if they're not, he's not going to sit there and sift through them on maybe one. He won't let one three-year-old child into Egypt because mm. he thinks that's going to hurt his people. But somehow it's on Israel to accept that, even though Palestinians have, you know, no truck with the Egyptians, right? It's just very, you know, we we know that Hamas was blowing people up as they were trying to evacuate. 
Although we also know that 750,000 people have left northern Gaza and Gaza City. And so it's clear that Israel is trying to do its best to get the, Pal the, the Palestinian civilians out of the way so that it can take out its enemy Hamas. And yet from the international community's point of view, these leftists, these bloodthirsty leftists, they they just act like there's and what they the, what they try to do is even worse. They try to because they can't accept that Israelis are innocent or that Jews are innocent and because a Palestinian is always inherently innocent and never guilty, they have to retrofit a crime on the part of the Israelis and the Jews to fit what happened on October 7th. And that's what you're seeing a lot of in the media. You're seeing a lot of it in the leftist media just and also just journalists on Twitter on the on the lookout for some way to blame Israel, questioning everything. Oh, I didn't see 40 beheaded babies. Oh, the the most recent one yesterday was a guy said he finally did find, you know, there was evidence of, you know, that babies had been beheaded. And so he tweeted and then he goes, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say beheaded. I meant to say babies without their heads. I mean, that that's literally the level of discourse that we've arrived at. And it would be so funny, except it's just insane. And I think to most people, that's insane. The problem is, is that 90% of our, of our, of our, of our press corps is committed to this worldview. And so everything you're getting is getting filtered through that. Yeah. And I mean, the argument that we've seen the most, I think, is that, well, Israel has committed all these atrocities over the years as well. So first of all, there is the argument that, yeah, Israel, they're colonizers, these are settlers, um, that, Palestine, that Gaza is an apartheid state, um, that Israel has been oppressing Palestinians for decades and decades and decades, um, and that throughout that whole time, they've been either equally as horrible or worse um, as compared to the, Oct the October 7th attack. Is any of that like what? What's the <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. true here? I mean, like, are you know are Israel like the colonizer argument? We could start with that confuses me because as far as I understand it, Jews have been in that area forever. Right. I mean, not so, literally forever, but for <laughs> a very, very long, like, right. almost forever. <laughs> um, so Jews are definitely indigenous to the land. That argument doesn't hold a lot of water with me because I think of things like, I think from like a civil rights point of view, like that doesn't give you the right to deprive people of civil rights. It doesn't mean that you, you can't really colonize a land that you're indigenous to, right. but it's kind of like, a um, you know, the, the that's that's kind of irrelevant to me morally like whether or not they have a claim to the land that's mm. historical like what's what's important is that they're there and that they came there after the holocaust and that when they came there after the holocaust they agreed to split it 50 50 with the arabs and the arabs said no and tried to kick them out they won that war i mean like war happens and people win wars yeah. so at that point they won basically what had been the un partition plan so they didn't win um jerusalem and they didn't win Gaza and they didn't win the West Bank. Are, are you familiar with like kind of the map of Israel, basically? I've looked at it over the past week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so ish. <laughs> so you see there's like a little box, which is Gaza, which is right on the Egypt border with the border mm. with Sinai. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the West Bank, which is this kind of cutout. And those are the problematic areas because the rest is sort of there's the rest of Israel, Israel proper. Let's put those aside. 20% of Israeli citizens are Arabs and they just have full rights. They have 99% of the rights of, of Jewish Israelis. Um, there's a small, tiny difference in terms of building permits. Very problematic, but it's extremely small. There's they, they are represented in the government. They are. They've taken over the medical field. I mean, it's like not right to call that an apartheid at all. There's huge representation in the elites of Arab Israelis, although, of course, could all, always be improved, could always be improved. But um, and most of them identify as Israeli and would not want to live in any certainly not in a Palestinian state. They they really don't like, you know, I wouldn't say they wouldn't don't like the Palestinians, but obviously there's like a um, a status difference, right? Like if you are an Israel, an Israeli Arab, you have a certain status um, that gives you access to full civil rights within Israel. Um, mm -hmm. Then you have, so what happened was, so that was in 1948. In 1967, once again, all of the Arab countries started to attack Israel at the same time. Again, they thought there was going to be like another Holocaust. They did not believe there was any way that the Jews were going to survive. And synagogues across America, they were weeping. They were certain that it was, you know, 
that it was, you know, finished. Um, but but Israel won, and not only did they win, but while they were winning, they accidentally, this was not on purpose, but they they reached that border with Jordan that was called Transjordan at the time, like the where the West Bank is. They reached the border and the Jordanian soldiers fled. And so one soldier called his you know, commander and said, well, what do I do? And he said, advance to Jerusalem. And so he advanced to Jerusalem. They ended up retaking that cutout and they also retook Gaza. And at that point, things got problematic because they did not give the Arabs who live there citizenship. Hmm. And so the Arabs who live, let's start with the West Bank. The Arabs who live in the West Bank, they don't have citizenship. They're stateless. And that is very problematic. Um, they don't have civil rights. They don't have the right to vote for the government that exercises state power against them. Now, what Oslo did was it created a mini Palestinian government, the Palestinian Authority, with one of the Palestinian parties. There's two. There's Hamas and Fatah. And this was with Fatah, which replaced the PLO. I know it's like extremely trying to simplify it. Um, but um, so they sort of deal with municipal issues. They divide it into area A, B, and C. Each of the Palestinian communities there have different legal status. But essentially, the Israeli army can still show up at your door if you're an Arab. So the, the government that exercises state power against Palestinians living in the West Bank, they don't vote for. And that is hugely problematic. Now, they were offered their own state four separate times, and they rejected it because they did not accept the parameters of the state. To the Israelis, that signaled that they were not in coming in good faith. They would not accept anything less than all of Jerusalem. And, you know, and the chance from the river to the sea suggests they really want to, they want everything back, right? Right, right. So there's a real problem here. It's like a chicken and an egg. Their leadership is terrible, is deeply corrupt, clearly benefits from their subjugation. But at the same time, there is a current reality in the West Bank that is deeply problematic. And I mean, I wouldn't call it an apartheid because it's not based on race, but mm. it is very problematic. If an, if an Arab and a Jew get into a fight in the West Bank, the Jew goes to civilian court and the Arab goes to military court. It's very, very bad. And is it Israel's fault entirely? No, it's complete shared responsibility between both sides. But it's bad that Israel is exercising power in that way. Now, to complicate matters further, in 2000, there was what was called the Second Intifada, um, where they just started this huge just fight, just suicide bomber after suicide bomber after suicide bomber. I mean, I remember I was living there. You would get on the bus to go to school and you didn't know if you were going to come home. Like buses were just blowing up right, left and center. Oh A thousand Israelis were killed. This is the equivalent of, you know, 30,000 Americans. And at that point, the Israeli peace movement really died. I mean, they, you just you everyone knew people who were getting blown up and they just felt like these people hate us and they'll never want to be our neighbors. And so Israel became right-wing governments started winning at that point in a big way, including Bibi Netanyahu. And now Bibi Netanyahu's philosophy was, so at the same time as all this is happening, um, they, there's an election in Gaza and Hamas wins. And Hamas is this terrorist organization that explicitly calls for the annihilation of Israel. Did the um, people know that, maybe this is a naive question, did the people know that they were voting in a terrorist group that wanted to yeah, essentially yeah. kill all Jews and, and Israel? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think they felt that they were they would be better at representing their cause. Did every right. Gazan who voted for Hamas want them for that reason? I mean, at that point, they had a, you know, a quote-unquote political wing. Um, you know, I, I don't hold that against people necessarily. Like, the, like the condition for having civil rights is not, do you have good opinions about Jews, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm totally yeah. comfortable with people who are not going to kill other people, but want, wish they could like, you know, having civil rights, right? Like that's kind of what democracy is, right? I mean, I, sometimes I want to kill my own husband, you know, <laughs> it happens, right? You know, I get it. <laughs> right. Um, so, so they voted in Hamas. Hamas then took all of the Fatah members and threw them off the top of the buildings and just, you know, in, both, both Fatah and Hamas instantiated basically dictatorships. There have not been, you know, elections at all. Um, and um, right. At the same time, Israel decided it had built settlements in Gaza and settlements in the West Bank so those people, like even somebody like me would say, well, that was bad because what you were doing was you were saying you weren't saying, look, this is a military occupation. It's a temporary thing. We got to figure out how to have peace with these people. And until then, we're going to have status quo. That's their official line. 
but then they sent civilians to live there, which is kind of like putting down roots, right? In a place where you have no intention of giving equality to the other people there. That's mm. very bad. And Israel did do that. Now, you know, is this the worst kind of subjugation that's ever happened to a people's ever? No, it's a pretty benign, most of the time, it's quite benign. There's not a lot of violence, but but they are stateless and that's very bad. And I can understand why they're very angry about it. But what I don't, you know, what, what seems to me to be like, even more upsetting is like at this point, like I would think that people would be like, oh, this is why they were unable to arrive at some sort of like peaceful negotiation with these people, because this is what they were planning to do all along. Right. right. Like, And it's so funny. You'll appreciate this. People used to call the IDF soldiers racist because they never raped Arab girls. And they had a problem with that because they were like, if they really saw them as human, you would hire more stories about this. Like, this is a meme, like, you know, on the left. <laughs> it's like that they don't see them as like, that's how messed up this all is, you know. And and so I think, you know, so the, to get back to your question, are they colonizers? They're not colonizers. There is a blockade of Gaza and a military occupation of the West Bank. Both of those are not ideal situations, but the blockade in Gaza, I mean, this is why they have it, right? Because they knew that there was this, and but didn't know enough, right? But yeah. this is who they were blockading was Hamas and, you know, people who have a genocidal view of, 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 of Israelis. In the West Bank, it's a lot more complicated, but again, there's a lot of terrorist activity. There's a lot of Hamas activity in the West Bank underground. So it's it does it justify what happened? Can anything justify what they did? I mean, if you're looking literally at what actually happened, could anything justify it? Of course not. Of course not. You know, and the the you know the statelessness is terrible. It's it's very important that there be you know some solution to the problem in the Middle East. But there there is there there are two peoples there, and they are engaged in a national struggle, mm -hmm. and one of them keeps winning that national struggle when it is completely attacked by many many countries, and to the left that makes them inherently evil. But you know that's it. it that does not come. I don't think that that is. Like they hate them because they kept winning. Like they hate them because they were not wiped off the map. And yeah. there's deep, deep anti-Semitism in the Muslim world, in the Muslim countries. Not here, thank God. In America, I think most Muslims, you know, are nice middle class people who just want to get along with their neighbors. That's been my experience. Yeah. But in the Muslim world, they really do not forgive the Jews for not submitting to a second genocide. And I mean, that's, it doesn't, the fact that they won is, is the crime here. The fact that they are trying to defend themselves is the crime here. Like yeah. that's the thing the squad can't stand is them standing up for themselves and defending themselves. And unfortunately that self-defense is going to come with civilian casualties. Yeah. And that's exactly the impression that I've been getting from all these rallies around the world, the free Palestine rallies, because I'm like, what do you want? Like, what should Israel have right. done? How should Israel respond to right. this kind of attack? Ceasefire, that just means everybody <laughs> in Israel dies and then Israel's gone. Like, what are you thinking? And then, you know, and I think I don't like to ascribe the worst possible thoughts to people. And I think a lot of these people are probably just naively going along with these oppressor uh oppressed um narratives and free palestine these are the good guys these are the bad guys and maybe don't really know the full story but a whole lot of them also must know that a ceasefire and free palestine would mean an end to israel right so aoc was asked four times by abby phillips on cnn will you keep saying ceasefire how should israel defend itself against an attack like this again and she had no answer for it and I mean, that is the problem. They don't think they have to have an answer to it because right. their goal is not to win. Their goal is just to silence Jews. Like their goal is they know that nobody in Israel is listening to them. I think maybe they hoped Biden was listening to them, but mm. he's not. No one's listening to them. And you know that because she doesn't think she needs to have an answer to that. And she th that's the worst part, though, is like this is a woman who her district is in New York. Like it's like literally the place with the most Jews outside of Israel. And she doesn't think she ha owes it to us. To s I'm like, OK, I I'm happy to think of you as like have coming in good faith. Tell me how you're going to protect Israeli Jews from having this happen to them again. She doesn't think she has to have an answer to that. And and that is that is very, very problematic. I mean, I, I think a lot of them are in this kind of um, echo chamber, right, where it's like the squad probably have like a group chat where they're constantly like, oh, look at these terrible Israelis and blah, 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 blah. 
Um, but you know, it's uh, it, it's very clear to us in this moment, like who is okay with the atrocities that happened, and that that net is kind of it's it's kind of the usual suspects, but it's also a little bit bigger. I mean, I think like for example, President Obama has been atrocious on this. And as a person who's like constantly defended him from people who said he hates Israel, he's no friend of the Jews, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like I am appalled. I just appalled and feel like, how could I have gotten somebody's character so wrong? Like it's, it's truly shocking, but I don't. What has his response been? I haven't, I have missed that. So first of all, it took him three days to say anything. I mean, three days to condemn the attack, which means he waited until the beginning of Israel's response so he mm. could call for, you know, humanitarian whatever. He and Biden keep repeating this um, mantra of rules of law. And I just find that to be so inappropriate. Like, it is so not your place. To, what does that mean? What are they saying when they're, they're trying to say they they want Israel to be to minimize civilian casualties, which okay. is what always are they, are they Are they referencing war crimes? Is that what that's about? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, and that kind of preemptive, like, we know you guys are going to be tempted to do war crimes. It's <laughs> so gross and inappropriate in this moment. And you can just tell that he didn't care at all. And mm-hmm. that his, 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 the audience he was picturing was, you know, the people who he knows are going to be worried about Palestinian casualties and not at all about the victims of this horror. And boy, was I, I mean, that, that was like big shocking awful and you know people are going to say to me like but Batya, isn't it good to to not do war crimes isn't it good to like care about civilians like of course it's good not to do war crimes of course it's good to care about civilians but what he did there was inject into the conversation and the discourse around this the idea that israel was clearly if mr obama didn't warn them they were clearly about to go out and do, you know, war crimes because clearly that's what they want to be doing in response to this. Mm-hmm. And I just find that so disgusting, like that he's the nanny, you know, that he's the moral arbiter when it took him three days to condemn the violence. And even when he condemned it, there was this, you know, moral equivalency happening. I I, I find that so gross. It's yeah, it's so interesting to me because what people are saying people who are defending Palestine and vilifying Israel in this situation, um, you know, it's like, well, now Israel is killing this many civilians, like this many people are dying. They cut off the water. They cut off the electricity. Um, They're hurting uh, people in Gaza much more than Hamas or, you know, or the Palestinians have ever hurt Israel. Um, But I just, you, you mentioned this earlier. I mean, Hamas told it's people not to leave. So they're using them as human shields. I th- you know, they're putting these people in harm's way on purpose, it seems like. Yeah, definitely. They definitely want them to die because they're trying to win a PR battle here against an anti-Semitic press right. that is only too happy to help them. You're totally right about that. And how many hostages are still in Gaza? How many Israeli host- hostages? Um, okay, so we don't know exactly how many are Israeli and how many are foreign nationals. We know that about 220 are still there. Two more were released today. Um, I was very relieved to see that they were Israeli citizens because, I, I, I mean, from what I've been able to glean from sources close to Hamas, it did seem like what they wanted to do initially was release all of the um, hostages with foreign passports, which would have just been like... I mean, imagine doing like a selectia like that, you know, like Nazi style, like it just would have been horrific. And so, but so far the four hostages who have been released all have Israeli citizenship. And so I'm, I was very relieved to see that. Um, yeah. Um, and I, I'm curious to know how you're sort of feeling in America <laughs> right now. I mean, are you feeling afraid? I mean, no. we saw this was a, no, you feel okay. Oh, yeah. Fuck them. They should be, excuse me, I don't usually swear, but they should be afraid of me. I was at an airport the other day and some there was a woman waiting to to board a, a flight to Egypt in a hijab standing with two men and she saw my Jewish star and she like screamed after me, Palestine will be free. Oh, and God. I started chuckling as I was walking away. I was like, not if Egypt has anything to say about it. Like, what are you talking about? you're literally going someplace where they like um but why is no one angry at egypt by the way why is no one pressuring egypt to let palestinians in why why are they blameless 
Ayman uh, Odeh, who um, was a member of Knesset, an Arab-Israeli member of Knesset, of the Israeli parliament, used to say, um, he said, we're lucky that our enemy is the Jews because otherwise no one would care about us. And that's uh -huh. literally what you see. No one cares if the Rafa crossing is open or not. They just do not care because because apparently Egyptians rate higher or I guess lower on the woke scale. And so no one is allowed. You're not allowed to make demands of people you consider to be people of color because, you know, clearly these savages live by their own rules. And, and we have to, you know, this is savage up saying how they think of them, like that it would never occur to them to pressure CC or to call out Egypt. Never, ever. It's just so wild. Or Hamas. They literally, right. literally Hamas <laughs> bombing its own people so they can't leave. And like they have, they cannot bring themselves to condemn it. And taking their aid money. I mean, is any of the money, like people are doing all these fundraisers for Palestine. Does any of the money actually go to aid? I think some of it goes to aid, but obviously some of it goes to keep Ismail Haniya in like, you know, hotels in Qatar. Why is Qatar not being pressured to freaking throw him into the sea? Literally, mm -hmm. the guy, the head of Hamas is just living, living at large in Qatar. Why does Biden not say to him, you want to be an ally of the United States? Send him to Israel. Well, how is that not even on the table? It's not on the table, but it would have been on the table if Trump was president. And you know, I, I think Biden's pretty doing a pretty good job. I'm sort of in his response has been, I guess, better than I thought it would be. And Justin yeah. Trudeau as well, because I really hate those two guys. And yeah. they tweeted some things. And I was like, I guess that's kind right. of good. Yeah, yeah. Biden's been <laughs> much better, I think much better than I was expecting. Although, of course, keeps trying to sort of placate like his, you know, the left wing. But he, he's been good. He's been good. I'm not going to say he's not been good. Um, but I, I, I really, this wouldn't have happened if Trump was president and the response would have been so different. And do you think that that's because Trump is viewed as more powerful or more intimidating globally or like why I've heard other people say this, why do you think this wouldn't have happened if Trump were president? I think, tr I think Biden wants his allies to be weak because he wants them to be compliant so that he can get them to do what he wants. And I think Trump wants his allies to be strong because he thinks weakness is lame and he wants his friends to be <laughs> not lame, especially if they're in a picture with him. Like he just had this feeling of like, you know, he has these really good instincts about what would make a good ally. Like he hates Germany because he thinks they're just like a deadbeat, you know, <laughs> like and they don't even have a military. They barely I think they're they're totally demilitarized at this point. Like none mm. of their GDP goes to their military. They're so proud of their pacifism. And he thought that was super lame. And like he wanted allies who could bring something to the table. He wanted allies who were strong. And so he chose his allies based on that. And that was just really smart and sent China the right message, whereas Biden's kind of placate he wants his allies to rely on him and you know that's I, I this is why i think you know our support for is our funding our military aid for israel is it's, i'm i'm very ambivalent about it like on the one hand like obviously i want them to have the iron dome rockets that they need and whatnot but i think we've ended up weakening them they could have had their own thriving you know military industrial complex and and Instead, they now have to. I mean, I honestly don't think that they are paying very much attention to what Biden is saying because of the Abraham Accords that Trump put in place. And so they know that there's just billions and billions of dollars of UAE and Bahraini cash flowing into their economy. Those guys are not going to give them a hard time no matter what they do in Gaza. So I think they they know that and Israel is in a better position thanks to Trump. But um, at the same time, it's just like any like dependency is bad. They should have the freedom to make the decisions that are right for them. And we as Americans should have an ally that can help us in the region that has, and Israel is a good ally in that sense. It does a lot for us in terms of representing our interests in the region and standing against Iran. So I, but I don't think we should be fighting that fight as Americans. Like it's, it's not our fight. Mm -hmm. It's our allies fight. You know, and I say that as a Jewish American, like I'm an American and you know, like our interests, our interests are, there's overlap with Israel, but they're not 100% the same. And I think the Trump doctrine of saying, I want my allies to be strong so they can do something for me. Like, I think that was really good. And I think the Biden approach has been pretty, pretty disastrous. Although I, I am so grateful that he was not terrible <laughs> on Israel. I was surprised. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Again, I was surprised by Trudeau's comments as well. Um, and he was pretty quick on the draw. He didn't hesitate to condemn what happened. Um, what? I mean, do you think that there is any solution to this conflict? People talk about the two-state solution, but 
as you mentioned, I mean, the Palestinians have rejected that offer many times. I mean, where where is it possible to go from here, especially after this recent attack? Yeah, this, the two-state solution is dead. There's the, the Israelis will never, ever, ever allow it. And okay. I, my whole, I mean, my solution was always I thought that they should turn, you know, absorb the West Bank, give all the Palestinians their citizenship, make them citizens of Israel, and make make Egypt absorb Gaza. I mean, I always thought that made the most sense. Um, like, I, I think, I as per, a person who has people I love in the West Bank who are Palestinians, I don't want them living under the Palestinian Authority because the Palestinian Authority puts them in jail when they write Facebook posts that criticize them, and I don't <laughs> like my friends to be in jail. I would rather they be Israelis. Um, and I think that our people belong together, and God put us there, you know, but um, I, there's no way that um, there's going to be a Palestinian state after what they did, and Israel should, Israelis should not, the, the, the parents of the children who were beheaded and the, the 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 siblings of the sisters who were raped until their pelvises were broken should not have to absorb should not have to live next to Hamas people and or people who voted for them that's asking too much and it's no they wouldn't ask that of anybody else anybody else you know they would never so I you know but I don't I, I think maybe you know so what happens the, the day after they eradicate Hamas from Gaza is there going to be, you know, some sort of like Arab League formation, some UN thing? I don't really know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to be able to predict that. Um, but I, I, it's, it's things are, yeah. You can't. It's the, the magnitude of what happened. I, I have to tell you, Megan. Like it changed my personality. Wow. Like it's been two weeks, and it's I'm a different person, and I just feel like everyone should be. Like I didn't know that humanity was still capable of that i didn't know you were still capable of that and knowing that has made me know like i always thought i was a person who could never kill someone even if they were like running at me to kill me i never thought i could pull a trigger and now i know with 100 certainty i could kill a person if i saw one of those hamas people i could kill them and i so i was changed you know to reflect this new reality and that we you it's like we don't know who we're going to be in a year from now or how how the world is going to change as a result of this yeah i mean it's it's blown my mind in so many ways um because i think that as much as as you know um that i've grown to you know i've lost all respect for the left all respect for the left i have zero respect for leftists um i don't know that there are any even leftist policies that i really support anymore even you know things that i i you know even after i sort of left the left as it were i still was like a supporter of universal health care and universal daycare and ubi and those are things that i don't think i support anymore but beyond that i'm like these people i know this has become a cliche but they really do seem like they're in a cult and i can't trust any of these people because they put ideology ahead of humanity and ahead of empathy and they knee jerk and they're horrid about it you know i've seen video of students on campus attacking Israelis because they dare to walk through their their lions or dions or whatever they're calling them, <laughs> their rallies. And then, you know, and just the the lack of the lack of empathy, sympathy, humanity has been so horrifying to me. And I'm like, what are you supposed to do with people like this? And I don't want to dehumanize people on the other side either, but how can you trust these people with anything if they can't even just say, I'm not asking you to be pro-Israel. I was never pro-Israel until like maybe now people are calling me a Zionist and I've like Googled, what's a Zionist? <laughs> like <laughs> literally, it's like, okay, I guess I am. Like, sure. I think the, I think the correct definition of a Zionist is, do you trust those people you're describing, those leftists, to protect Jews in the eventuality that Hamas people come here and attack us? And the answer is, if your answer is no, you're a Zionist. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, what do you do? It's do like, I want to see Israel destroyed and everyone in it? Nope. Right. <laughs> do I, mean, I think Israel has a right basic, to defend itself? Yeah. Yeah, it's a very basic... Uh, um, I think, and it's so much worse than you're describing because all of those kids, like the the people like five years ago and 10 years ago who were them are now all in positions of power, like in the media and in politics. And you know what I mean? Like it's, so it's a real, it's a real problem. I mean, I think it's like, yeah, you don't want to dehumanize them. Like I feel really proud that we 
you know, you see like in, in London or whatever, like there's certain things that if you chant, you can go to prison. Like, I'm really glad that they're out there saying like, we support Hamas, yay. And that I know exactly how many of them there are, you know, like, I, I'm really glad that we have freedom of speech. And like, yeah. I, I, I think that's great. You know, like, yeah, yeah, you have the right to chant down the street and say something and, and, and say this stuff. And, and I have the right to never forget that you did that and act accordingly. I think it's a lot better than them organizing underground or privately and us having no idea totally. how many of these people there are out there. Totally. But also, like, it's benign. I mean, thank God it's benign. Like, it's they have really bad opinions, you know, and <laughs> and and you know what? This isn't the Middle East. Like, they're not going to be able to turn that into anything. Um, it, it turned out that that um, the rabbi who was killed, they don't think it was a um, a hate crime. And I'm really glad to hear that. And I was glad that this woman who yelled free Palestine got on a plane to Egypt. You know, <laughs> like that's where she belongs. Like it's just, it's just I mean, I, I have a lot of faith in my fellow Americans. I think that what we're seeing is not is not a spreading of anti-Semitism, but an intensification of anti-Semitism in the elites that are, are already anti-Semitic and hate us a lot, like AOC and 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 college campuses and whatnot. And um, you know what I mean? I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm used to fighting those people. I'm going to keep fighting them. And I'm, you know, it's, it's great. I, I don't, I don't think that, um, these people shouldn't have a voice. I don't think they shouldn't have a vote. I'm, right. but they are my enemies and I'm going to act accordingly. And, you know, that's okay. The media enemy of the people, like a hundred percent. And I, that's okay. I'm going to, I know how to fight that and I'm ready for it. Right. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm really glad to hear your perspective. Um, that Thank makes so me much. feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad to hear your perspective. You are making me feel better because when people who are not in it can see it, it just makes everybody feel so much better. Like we're not crazy. And the fact that you could see it, like, I mean, obviously you're a really incredible person, you know, your heart just always beats for the right thing. But the fact that you're able to see it, it's very like comforting. Yeah, right away. And there was like a couple moments of like am I is this wrong did I take the wrong like was my reaction wrong and then I was like nope nope I'm not wrong they're wrong right. <laughs> anyway yeah thank you so much for your time and thanks oh, for explaining gosh, all this to me I really appreciate so much. it anytime anytime I love talking to you and I hope I didn't go on too long and I I'm so it was no, really an honor to, no, to talk great. to you about this thank you so much thank you yeah, really fighting the good it. fight you too I'm Megan Murphy, host of The Same Drugs. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a patron on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Megan Murphy. This allows you access to special content, early access to episodes, exclusive access to full videos, and the opportunity to submit questions to select future guests ahead of interviews. Plus, you can DM me to your heart's content and I will reply. Another great way to follow and support my work is by becoming a paid subscriber on Substack at www.meganmurphy.ca. This ensures you don't miss a single episode. You can access subscriber-only video content. You can engage with the comment section, access my periodic newsletters, participate in subscriber-only chats, and read Substack-only articles. You can also support this podcast directly on Spotify by clicking the support button on the Same Drugs podcast page. I produce and host this podcast all by myself and rely entirely on individual donors to sustain my work. This is all me and you, the listener. If you want to keep episodes free as well as free thinking, please consider signing up on Patreon, subscribing on Substack, or donating directly to support this podcast via PayPal at paypal.me slash the same drugs. Every little bit counts and ensures I can stay independent. Thank you so much for supporting conversations outside the algorithm.